Would you pray with me? Thank you, God, that your love never gives up on us, that even when we can't sense your presence, even when we feel like you're being silent or distant, that, God, you are with us. We are so grateful for the gift of Jesus Christ and the grace of forgiveness and salvation that connects us to you, Lord, forever. And so today, may we open our hearts to a fresh anointing of your spirit, a filling of your living water, that it may quench the thirsts within us today. And we may be free to worship you, to be your disciples. To that end, Lord, I pray that you would pour upon me the gift of preaching, that my very frail and broken and human words might, by the power of your Holy Spirit, become your living word, uniquely crafted for each and every one of our hearts. We pray it with great confidence, for we pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I must have been traveling about 35 miles an hour in my Honda Element when it happened. As all four wheels left the ground... I had no idea what lay on the other side. Who would have thought heading to church could be so dicey? The year was 2003. It was my first year at First Presbyterian Church of Pasadena. We lived in Clear Lake, and there was no easy way to get from here to there without going all the way out of your way and onto the freeway and around. But one day when I was on my way to work, I saw that they were building a new road that was going to connect Clear Lake to Pasadena in a much shorter route. As you can imagine, I was incredibly excited. And then one Sunday morning, as I was driving to church, the road looked finished. There was beautiful cement as far as you could see. Now, yes, the roadblocks were still there. <laughs> and the do not enter sign was still there. But, but I thought, what's the worst thing that can happen? So naturally, I drove around the barriers and was on my way. And as is often the case, the first half mile was amazing. Brand new cement. It gave me confidence, and so I began to pick up speed. Then, in the blink of an eye, like the apocalypse, everything changed. I came around the corner. The cement ends ahead, and there's a huge pile of dirt blocking the entire road. By God's grace, it wasn't a wall of dirt, but more like a ramp. (laughs) And this allowed me, since I couldn't stop, to fly over it at 35 miles an hour. For a moment, all four wheels left the ground. I had no idea what lie ahead. It was like the dark side of the moon. As I'm in the air, I can begin to see what lies on the other side. Fortunately, there's no rebar or wet cement, or a sea of mud. It was simply ungraded dirt. I hit the ground hard, and I slammed on the brakes, came to a sliding stop. I couldn't believe I'd survived the jump unharmed. And my car was okay, too. Go Honda. (laughs) After sitting for a bit, what do I do? I mean, I'm halfway down the road, so I figured at this point I should just keep going. But I went very slowly, and wouldn't you know it, I made it to the church on time. 
You know, our lives hit rocky roads as well, don't they? Have you ever been going along where life is as fine as it can be? And then, without warning, something unforeseen happens. And it's like the cement ending that leaves your life flying over a metaphorical dirt pile with no idea what lies on the other side. A surprise diagnosis. A loved one who's been in an accident. Getting laid off from work without warning. Or a spouse who suddenly leaves you. When such shocking moments happen, we're left shaken and afraid by what life has thrown at us. And in light of this new reality that we find ourselves in, as we work at navigating the unknown road ahead, a natural question usually arises for those of us who believe in God. Where are you, God? And why have you allowed this to happen? Does your silence that I'm experiencing mean you don't care about me? When this happened to me, I was reminded of Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 that we heard Brian read. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, We may intellectually know this to be true of God, that God is very other than us. And it can explain why, even when we don't understand what's happening in a dark season of life, that God does understand what's happening. But at the same time, such a truth doesn't ease our burden or help us to know how to make sense of what's happening. This this verse you can have a lot of different reactions to. It if you're hurting and you don't feel like God's speaking to you, that it can feel very distant. It can make God feel very distant. This can be true in any season of great struggle or grief. When we're lost and forlorn and the situation is beyond our ability to cope, when we are yearning for clarity to see where to take our next step. And yet, as we cry out to God, even though God knows all things, we're getting nothing but radio silence. We don't even get a hint of how we got here or how in the world we're going to find our way home. Such faith frustrations have happened numerous times in my life. I'm sure they probably happened in yours, too. And when my prayers and wailings go unanswered, I'm hurt and I'm angry. What about you? For the truth is, we're not alone. Most everyone experiences such seasons with God. Even some of the Bible's biggest hitters. Think of Noah on the 39th day of rain. Or Abraham when he was asked to sacrifice Isaac. Think of Moses as they wandered in the desert for 40 years. I always am thankful when God's silent that he's been, you know, speaking to me in less than 40 years. I mean, that's, that's a good mark. And what about Jesus' followers when he was crucified? Or Paul as he writes the letters to the Christians in Philippi from a prison cell? Or what about Jesus when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane? 
And he prayed out to God and asked him to take the cup from him. You see, everybody has these seasons. Each of these people's faith was greatly challenged by difficult and overwhelming circumstances, but they found a way, each and every one of them, to keep the faith. Did you know that in the book of Philippians, Paul uses the word joy five times? So as Paul sits in prison with his future and more his life in the balance... He uses the word joy more than he does in any other letter that he wrote, that we have anyway. Here's a few examples from Philippians. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. Make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say it again, rejoice. In the face of personal threat and uncertainty, what empowers Paul to be able to say rejoice always? Simply put, it's Paul's relationship with Jesus. Jesus is the one who brings this God whose ways are higher than our ways down to earth. In other words, because of Jesus' love and grace, even though Paul doesn't know why he's in prison or why God has him in prison or where he will go from there, he knows the one who knows. Let me say that again. So even though Paul's lost and he doesn't know why God has him where he has, he knows the one who knows. And that's enough. And who is this one that he knows? whose ways and thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He is the one who became one of us, who willingly sacrificed his own life to rescue and redeem us. And so this one has proved himself trustworthy. Right? And so there's reason for Paul to have faith. There's a reason, if Paul knows this God well enough in Jesus Christ, that Paul could rejoice even when things are really, really hard. I found the same to be true in the midst of my dark night of the soul when God was silent and there was so much I didn't understand. At some point, when I felt like I was at the very end of my rope, I heard the Lord say to me, Jeff, even though you don't know what's happening or how you will go on from here, you know me. You know the one who knows. You know the one whose love saved you, who cares for you, who gave his very life for you, and therefore, knowing the one who knows is enough. And it was. In that moment, it was like the clouds rolled back and bright sunshine displaced foggy gloom. God was reminding me, even though we don't know what's happening, instead of demanding that God tell us and cause, tell us what caused it and what the answer is, he's asking us to place faith in him. To actually take comfort. To take comfort in the fact that just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts than our thoughts. 
This is the thing. Once I stopped demanding and instead began faithfully trusting God with my situation, and I don't do this every time, right? This is a good story. I could tell you five bad ones. But when I stopped demanding and instead began faithfully trusting God with my situation, even though I had no concrete answers, I found that I actually had all that I need. I actually had all that I need. Let that settle in. Even in the dark night of the soul, even when we feel God is being silent, knowing the one who knows can be enough. It's totally counterintuitive, isn't it? Because God has proved himself to be utterly trustworthy, knowing the one who knows is enough. We don't have to have the answers and we don't have to know what lies ahead. And the truth is, you guys, (laughs) on some level, we never know the answers. On some level, we never know what lies ahead. We like to think we do, but we really don't in so many ways. And so if that's true, if we can trust the one who knows, then even in our darkest night of the soul, we can join Paul in saying, rejoice in the Lord always, always. I will say it again, rejoice. So the next time you find yourself flying over a metaphorical dirt pile with no idea what lies on the other side, even though there's no clear answer of what you are to do next, keep the faith. For even when God appears to be silent and there's no answers in sight, even then when we trust that God is good, that God's love is unconditional in Jesus Christ and that he has saved us by grace, knowing the one who knows, who does know our circumstance, who does know the answer, who does know what lies ahead, is truly enough. And today, as we approach this table, this is where we find the confidence in his love and in his grace. Would you pray with me? God, we are so grateful that you know that your ways are higher than our ways, that you are not limited by the things that we are limited by. Thank you, God, that you know our future, that you know what tomorrow brings, that you know the answers. And we thank you, Lord, that this other distant God refused to stay that way, that you chose to come, to become one of us, to join us here, to show us what your love and your care look like. Thank you, God, for the grace of Jesus Christ found at this table. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.